0: Have you yelled at your kids today? Maybe you've done something that you think you would never have done as a parent. Well, stay tuned. We are talking with Amy McCready today. You are going to love her positive parenting solutions. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Thanks for being our listeners. We love you. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. And as always, please support our sponsors. Sometimes these are affiliate links, just so you know that. But that helps us keep this program coming to you. As Mother's Day is coming around, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to, and bless her heart, she didn't answer very many, so that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology, and now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories, and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered, either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children, this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. And now, enjoy our conversation with Amy. Have you yelled at your kids today? First, give yourself some grace. We all lose our minds with our kids now and then. But if it's starting to feel like a daily thing and you aren't happy with it because you know deep down that yelling doesn't give you the results you really want, yet things just seem to constantly spin out of control and into more yelling or bribing or enabling or... Ugh, All those parenting things that we do and regret later. Well, you are going to love our guest today. Mom of two grown sons who describes herself as a recovering yeller. Yes, it is possible to be a recovering yeller. I've known of Amy McCready for years, and I'm so happy that we finally get to have a conversation with her today and share her with you. She is the founder of Positive Parenting Solutions, an author, and the creator of the 7-Step Parenting Success System. Welcome, Amy.
1: Thank you both so much for having me. I just love the work that you're doing for moms and dads of boys,
0: and I'm just thrilled to be here with you today. Awesome. So great to have you. You know, yelling is just one of those things we do as parents that we don't want to do, but in the moment, it just seems like there's no other option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that short-term gain, it really hurts us in the long run. That's what Mm -hmm. you really help parents to see.
1: Well, yes. I mean, I experienced it myself. And so many of the parents that I work with, parents of toddlers to teens, like that is Mm -hmm. their primary pain point. I'm sure you guys hear it all the time because nobody wants to yell at their kids. But we kind of fall into this trap where, you know, we ask nicely and then we repeat ourselves and we give a little reminder and repeat and remind, repeat, remind. And that goes on for so long. And then you just blow. But then guess what? Then they spring to action, right? And so you're like, okay, I didn't like the fact that I yelled and they didn't like it, but it actually worked
2: mm-hmm. because
1: now they're taking action. Mm-hmm. And, and we call that in the parenting world. I'm sure you've heard this. We've like trained our kids to be parent deaf that, you know, they don't really have to listen and take action until we yell. And it's just this vicious cycle for parents, vicious cycle for kids. We feel guilty. And it's just no fun. So, um, yeah, I I have lived that life. I'm telling you, that is exactly why I got into doing what I do now, because I was just in that vicious cycle. And it's very defeating. Like, you feel like you're kind of messing up the most important
2: job you have. I want to hear about how you got to that point, because, you know, if you're anything like me and most parents... You know, you have these sort of visions of who you're going to be like as a parent. And then you're faced with the actual children doing actual things that in your wildest imagination were not part of the picture at all. So tell me what it was like when your boys were little and you were, you know, in this part of parenting and you realized you were doing this and had to find a different way.
1: Yes. Well, like all parents, you have that vision, as you described, of what your life is going to be like. And I think we kind of take that vision for parenting based on, you know, our life experience so far. So my, my life experience up to that point is, you know, I had a, a job and a career and like functioned pretty well in that environment and, and performed well and all of those so things. So you didn't scream at people at work? Surprising, isn't it?
2: You oh, know,
0: okay. Okay. <laughs> but I let got me guess, quite
2: well with my coworkers and my bosses Behaved civilly and didn't really do unexpected things,
1: did they? Yes. And you think, okay, I, you know, I'm reasonably smart and I'm nurturing and loving (laughs) and all of those things. Like, I should be able to do this fairly well too. How difficult can it be? As we all think, until we actually have these creatures. Right. Uh, but you know, honestly, my first one was pretty easy, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, pretty easy. Um, but my when I had my second, that when it got that's when it got really challenging, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm kind of strong-willed and, and I have a bit of a controlling personality, and and he had that too. And that's when I kind of got into this, you know, I, nobody listens until I yell kind of thing. And mm-hmm. that's how I got started in this because I thought I am failing at my most important job. I felt terrible about myself, and my kids were not bad, they were just normal kids, but I just didn't have the skills. And so that's just when I started taking parenting classes and studying and mentoring uh-huh. under other people. And, you know, eventually, obviously I do this now as a, my life's work, but I think we've
0: all been there. Yeah. Isn't it amazing when we have that kid that is like us, <sighs> Ooh. oh, that mirror. Oh,
2: so frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, you, you hinted at it a little bit, but there's a certain amount of, we come into this with, um. Our expectations are wildly out of whack for what kids are actually like. Yes, your coworkers can behave like civilized human beings because they're adults and they went through all of this. And two-year-olds and teenagers don't, um, they don't necessarily express themselves, let's say, in uh, the most easy to deal with kinds of ways. And if you're not mentally prepared for that and you don't have the tools, yes, you end up yelling, been there, done that, ask my kids. And we have so little training. Like that was the
1: thing that just sort of amazed me when I was starting out. I mean, I'm an older mom, right? But, um, and now there there are a lot more resources, but we take that parenting class. And unless you have like a teaching background, like you, Janet, like you have no experience in what's normal in child mm-hmm. development. Mm-hmm. And That's so, true. you know, again, Janet, like you said, you expect your kids to respond like your coworkers do. And that just doesn't happen. And you're completely ill-prepared for how to handle that. And and I think even today with all of the resources out there, it's just so hard. It's harder for parents today Mm -hmm. than it was when I was raising my kids. There's so many more pressures and demands on parents and kids, uh, but we just need more training and guidance for parents. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we all do, right? That's why we're we're doing our day in a day out mission.
0: Well, and it's, I remember when I was parenting, my kids are in their thirties now, there was not the internet. I couldn't go to Instagram and just look up, you know, what do I do now? I had books and I had my friends and I did. I do remember taking one parenting class, but that was it. I had no other resources. And I look at my daughter now who's got a four month old and the things that she knows. It's amazing. And she's like, yeah, I just looked on Instagram and I followed this person. And and I mean, that is a blessing. It's so great to have that information and to be able to access courses like you have. And and yet it's also information overload. And it feels like I I I Do family coaching. And one of the moms I worked with had 72 tabs open to read articles about her kids. And, you know, that in itself is crazy making and makes us, you know, lose patience just with that. So, listeners, give yourselves grace. And sometimes it's more important to just be in the moment and trust your gut and go with that than it is to open up a new tab and go, oh, what do I do now? Absolutely. Yeah. And there's, I think we just have the pressure to fix everything.
1: You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's a tantrum in the grocery store. Oh, I have to fix that. and And yeah. this behavior pops up. I have to fix that. When to your point, just being in the moment and connecting emotionally is like the most important thing you can do for the child and for yourself. You know, it's just, it's therapeutic for both parties and it's going to go so much farther in actually fixing that problem than, you know, opening up 72 tabs on your computer
0: to figure out the solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and you talk about that. There's two basic emotional needs that our kids have that if we can just boil everything down to that respond to that we're going to be a lot better off and they are too. Yes, yeah, so when
1: I'm working with parents we always start with you know just the foundation concepts and much of what I teach comes from Adlerian psychology and positive discipline and we always talk about the concepts of belonging and significance. And we can simplify that even further. So if we look at belonging, it's that sense of emotional connection with the people who are most important to me. Where do I fit in in this family constellation? Am I emotionally connected to my parents and to the siblings? Even in the classroom, that child needs that sense of belonging and emotional connection. Uh, they need positive attention from the people who are most important to them on a daily basis. So that sort of all fits into that belonging category. Mm-hmm. And then the significance is that sense of personal agency. Do I have some control, some age appropriate power over my own world? Do I affect how things will turn out for me? And that's as important when you're a teeny tiny toddler as it is when mm-hmm. you're a senior citizen, right? Like we all have that need for personal agency. And I certainly didn't understand either of those two buckets when I was first starting out, but so often, almost no matter what behavior you're dealing with, if we can start with looking to improve those key areas, the emotional connection and that sense of belonging that the child feels and their sense of personal power and agency and having age-appropriate control we can fix most things. Now, again, there's the whole skill deficit piece that we always work on in addition to that, but those foundational buckets is kind of where we start and then, and and build the skills on that as well.
2: I want our listeners to think for a moment, because this applies to everyone. This applies to us as children. And you were a child a long time ago, but some of you, perhaps many of you, right? still maybe have some strained relationships with your parents or things where you're like, I don't want to do it that way, but you don't really know how to do it differently. Think about these things that Amy just said, this, this need for belonging and significance. And I'm going to guess that likely some unmet or not very well needs in those buckets were part of your growing up, maybe affect your relationship with your family right now. And so I, I want you to think about that, not to go back and 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 blame or anything like that. but to think about yes, when we were growing up, I don't know, I don't think that my parents were thinking at all about belonging or significance. It was about getting kids through the day and and survival. And they did what they could with the tools that they had. We'd like to do a little bit better. So think about these things. You can meet your child's basic uh, needs for you know food, clothing, and shelter and keep in mind the need for belonging and the need for significance
0: beautifully said jen thank you i just love my co-host i tell you
2: she's so articulate she sometimes <laughs> uses the podcast to deal with her own stuff perhaps <laughs> don't we all Maybe she may have just had a major birthday and may have had some birthday drama with her family related to these two <laughs> emotional issues perhaps perhaps mm-hmm.
0: you you said something amy age appropriate control i want to focus on that because i think that we that parents can get so easily spun out on that that they give their child more control and uh-huh. and it kind of wraps into rewards and oh sticker charts and oh more screen time and it is crazy making what how do you determine age-appropriate control and when it's getting out of whack? Oh my goodness, Janet, we could talk for like three hours on just that
1: question.
2: And you know what? It's bigger (laughs) than age-appropriate too, because it's also kid-appropriate. Like each three-year-old is not the same and it will depend on if your kid Mm -hmm. has other physical, emotional, mental issues going on. So this is really challenging stuff.
1: Yeah. So let's just talk about the control piece for a minute. So You know, again, all humans have a need for autonomy, independence, and agency, and so we have to really think about each child there. And so, ask ourselves the question: like, are we doing things for this child that they are perfectly capable of doing for themselves with a little training? Mm -hmm. Right. So often we are. We are enabling. We are doing tasks for our toddlers all the way up through our teenagers that they're perfectly capable of doing for themselves. And when we do that, we rob them of the opportunity to be independent and have that sense of agency over their lives. So that's one piece. Amy, I just want
0: to pause there. Like that is so, so, so important because we are, as you said, we're enabling them. and, And so listeners, I encourage you, actually to listen to this podcast again because there's so much good stuff in here already but to look at your day what are you doing for your child that they can be doing for themselves it may take a little bit longer it may not get done the way exactly you want it to be done because oh we happen to be that parent that is has our own control issues this is also primary in relationships as well. Look at your spouse. Are you doing, I'm, I'm thinking about my daughter. Cause you know, they're, they have this new constellation with this baby mm-hmm. and who, who's, she's really capable and buzzes around and does all the things And it's like, you have to stop and let your spouse do things too. it. And she said, but he doesn't do it in the time that I want it to be done. So listeners just taking a pause and and really look at that. And if you don't create the vacuum for your kids or your parenting partner, guess what? You're going to be resentful and you're gonna be tired because you're doing all the things. So, And
2: Janet, this gets to what we had our recent conversation with, with Kate Mangino about household labor, household division of labor. You know, Amy, you mentioned, are you doing things for this child that they are perfectly capable of doing with training? That part is so important. We certainly Mm. have to, you know, show Mm. our kids and teach our kids how to do things. That's important for giving them a sense of agency. And in doing that, we are equipping them to be better partners, roommates, coworkers down the road. So don't lose sight of that either. We don't mean to overwhelm you with stuff. We're saying, in this one thing, you're hitting on all these, these positives. Yeah, and this is so important
1: because um, I wrote a book on the topic of entitlement. And I can't tell you how many parents of teenagers will say, this kid doesn't do anything. Well, yep. you know what? Maybe we didn't take the time to recognize how capable they really are and, and do the training and then turn over the responsibility to them. So e- everything that you just said there, Jen and Janet, like... 1,000% yeah. I, I amplify. Um, okay. So that is sort of giving up the control based on capability and teaching capability. And there's also the concept of controlling the environment. And so hmm. we always talk about, you can't control the child, at least not without a power struggle, but you can control the environment. And so as, as related to this whole topic of capability you know, thinking about how you can change up the physical environment to allow your child to have more independence and autonomy. So I always like to think about if no adults lived in this home, how could we structure the physical environment so these people could independently operate? So maybe that's... Installing a new rod in the closet. So all of their clothes are within their reach. Mm -hmm. In the kitchen, reconfiguring where you have stuff. So they can pretty much serve themselves. They can
2: get their bowl of cereal in the morning or whatever it is they like to eat.
1: Exactly. So just what you said, Jen, like really observing throughout the day what they're doing and what you're doing. And very often with training, They could take over that task along with controlling the environment, changing the physical layout. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about doing a whole home renovation. I'm just talking about like moving some rods and adjusting shelves and those types of things to allow them to operate more independently. When kids have that sense of age appropriate, independence, power, agency, control, that fills up their bucket. And then they are less likely. Here's the what's in it for you, parents they are less likely to fight you for power. Yes. Right to push your buttons, mm-hmm. to trigger you, to do all of those things, to get that power that they, they, they have to have it one way or another. And so let's give it to them in positive and productive ways rather than fighting for power. So that was a whole big tangent I went in before we even got to the rewards and stickers, but
2: let me stop <laughs> talking there. <laughs> That's such super important stuff. Um, I am convinced that part of the reason why I haven't had a lot of power struggles with my 16-year-old is because he has had a lot of power and control and agency in age-appropriate ways throughout his life. I am not saying we have never had issues. He's a 16-year-old boy. Of course we have had issues, but it's not been this constant uh, back and forth and struggle. This
0: episode is
2: sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, Use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart baby formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk, and BiHart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops less spit up and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only US-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at That's byheart.com. That's b y h e a r t.com. Slash podcast and it is 10% off your first order by slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause. Janet,
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then the other
1: thing I think, Jen, you talked about was uh, division of labor, the whole contribution thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your motto needs to be, you know, at all ages, you know, everybody contributes in meaningful ways, because again, that fosters that sense of significance. And so um, we talk about in our program the difference between a chore and a contribution, right? We don't even, we tell parents, don't even, don't ever use the word chore again because that denotes drudgery, mm-hmm. right? What we do in our family is family contributions because that simple change in the word. From Chores to Contributions sends a huge message that what you do around here matters. Mm -hmm. I know you're only four, but what you do here contributes to our family. And our family could not function without your contributions. So that's, again, a huge, huge hit of power.
0: So, Janet, you asked about rewards and sticker charts. and, And it's become so much about more screen time. Yes, do this. And then you can have more screen time. And, you know, and we need to talk about screen time, too. And so making that be a reward, good, bad, the good, the bad and the ugly of it, Amy, tell us. So let me just say in
1: general, and you guys weigh in on how you feel about this, but in, in our positive parenting solutions program, we do not advocate the use of rewards. Mm -hmm. for so many reasons. Uh, Mm -hmm. First off, when we use rewards, it sends the message that I have no faith or confidence that you will do this Mm. task unless I give you a bribe or a gimme for it, right? Second thing is that it tells the child, wow, this must be a really big deal to her. If she's willing to (laughs) reward me to do it, there's a lot of power in not doing this thing, right? Ooh, yeah. Uh, And then the other piece of it is that you know, the, I mean, the research is out there that the more that we use external motivators, internal motivation for that activity or task decreases. And so the child ends up doing the task to get the thing, the more screen time, the reward, the sticker chart, the whatever, rather than experiencing the joy of the contribution or improving his efficient, you know, his um, uh, abilities in that area, whatever it is. So there's, again I could talk for days on on that whole thing. But to your point on tying it to screen time, yeah, this the whole screen time thing has become sort of the be-all end all the leverage to get kids to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And you know a, again, that makes screen time in their eyes like that's the most important thing um, but it's just it's it's not effective or productive for for parents. So mm-hmm. there's so many other tools to get kids to do what they need to do. Let's keep screen time a totally separate thing. We know there's going to be screen time. That's a part of our lives, but let's manage that with whatever limits and boundaries we've put in place Mm -hmm. um, and then handle the other things that have to be done.
2: I want to play devil's advocate for just a minute because I've seen the same research you have, right? Uh, You know, intrinsic motivation is generally much more effective for all the outcomes that you're Mm -hmm. looking for. And then I have heard arguments that also make sense to me. It's like, well, sometimes when I have to do something that is not my favorite thing to do, not a preferred task, I will sort of set up a little reward as a motivation for myself at the end. For instance, you know, I'll if I set my timer and I work on this article for this time, then I will, you know, fill it in. It might be I. It might be, I do my nails. It might be, I go for a walk. It might, whatever. So what is the difference or is there a difference between something like that and what you were just talking about?
1: Yes. So that's an excellent question. So when I think of rewards, I think of, if you do this, then you'll get that. Okay. I I feel like what you described is more what we call in our world, a when, then, routine. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So when I've done my 15 minutes of, you know, power thinking work here, then I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. That's the other
2: thing that I really wanted to do in the first place, but I also have this thing that I need to do, but don't want to do quite so badly.
1: Exactly. And so when we're talking about getting kids to do things they don't want to do, And always when we're structuring routines, I advise parents to always set them up in a when-then format. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when the yucky stuff is done, then we can enjoy the more enjoyable parts of the routine. And the key thing here is the then stuff uh, are activities that are normally allowed occurrences. So the kid is normally allowed to have 30 minutes of screen time, or we were normally going to the, we, we mm-hmm. normally go to the park mm-hmm. at this day. So mm-hmm. we just structure the routine that when the yucky stuff is done, okay. then we go and enjoy those things. Mm-hmm. It's not this mm-hmm. like dangling the carrot out here. Yeah. Um, that is more reward based.
2: Does that, and it's not, it's not like you do this and then we go to the amusement park, we throw a parade, yeah. you know, a, a bigger than yeah. normal thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I want to highlight this. I want to highlight this sentence because it is so important. I tell all of my parents when, then, when, da-da-da-da, then, da-da-da-da. Write that down. Parents, our listeners, write it on a post-it note so you can start incorporating that into your normal everyday parenting lexicon because it is gold. And Janet, if I can piggyback on that, Mm -hmm. it is when,
1: then, it is not, 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 if, then. Mm -hmm. If you get your math homework done, then you can do this. Parents who are listening, can you hear the difference in that? If you do this, then you can do that. If sounds like a bribe, number one, and it conveys that I don't really think you're going to get this thing done. Right. Right? It almost gives the
2: option of not doing it.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When then conveys, I have complete faith and confidence that you're going to get that thing done. And when you do, then we can enjoy X activity.
2: Now, Mm -hmm. sometimes
1: you have to put a timer on that. So when you're, you know, you've had your bath, teeth are brushed, pajamas on, clothes picked out for the morning, then we'll do stories and snuggles until 8 PM or until the Mm -hmm. alarm goes up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to put a time limit on that. Mm -hmm. But that is just structuring the, the routine in a way that makes sense. The yucky stuff comes before the fun stuff.
0: And part of that too, is you are conveying your trust. And I think that that word trust, if we can say that to our children, if we can feel it, of course, but I trust that you know what to do to get ready for bed. I trust that you're able to clean up the kitchen and that that is also that intrinsic self-esteem builder too if your parents are trusting you and know that you're capable it's powerful and as you said you know that loops back to no power struggle because there's nothing to struggle over
2: i gotta do some devil advocate real life stuff again though <laughs> jen oh. <laughs> i love you you <laughs> All right. So I definitely hear what you're saying with the if part, because I have done this with my kids, you know, if this, then that, and they pretty much go, okay, well, I don't really want that so bad anyway. So I'm just not going to do whatever. And then I'm like, huh, now that didn't work. So I get that. My question is if we're doing a, when, then when you finish your math, homework, this, or when you do your bathing, thing, then snuggles. Um, and the then is you know, not a super out of the routine thing. What happens when they just don't do the when thing?
1: Well, and the good news is that's not the only tool in your toolbox, right? We we have to have other tools. So when then works so much of the time. if you talk to any of the parents in our community, they're going to be like, oh, when then's just the greatest mm-hmm. because it is so effective. And again, that's why I say we always structure our routines in a when that format. But that's not always going to work. And so that's where you have to get into that collaborative problem solving situation, right? And one of the truth bombs that we always talk about is that kid priorities are not the same as parent priorities. Yeah, exactly. Like (laughs) Intellectually, we know that, but like we get so mad when like the child is not viewing what we view with the same sense of urgency, right? Right. So that's where we have to, you know, kind of get together and say, okay, you know, we seem to be having a problem in this area, let's brainstorm some solutions, again, we don't have to come in with big consequences and punishments and like all that nonsense, it's just, we seem to be having a problem in this area, let's figure out how we can work this out. Again, there's always going to be another solution that you can try.
2: I love this. I love the acknowledgement that you have a toolbox and you have multiple tools, multiple options and strategies, because it also underscores the fact that there's no magic answer here. Mm -hmm. When then is great. And it won't solve all of your parenting problems. You need more than that. And parents, I've been there. It's so easy to get fixated on whatever the issue of the day is. And to think you're a failure because it's still happening pull back, look big. This is just part of your lives together. You're going to get through it. You move on and eventually you get where you want to go. Yeah.
1: And I think as we're all older moms, right? (laughs) And so we have a lot of younger moms listening, you know, it gets back to like, you don't have to do something about everything. I had a mom text me this morning a group of moms that i mentor here locally and with you know some issue of the kid not bringing the plate over and it's like in the big scheme of things it's not the end of the world so you know focus on what is most important those initial buckets that we talked about fostering that child sense of belonging and significance starting there working on skill development working on problem solving if we focus on those key areas a lot, not every, but a lot of the other misbehavior nonsense starts to take care of
0: itself yes, because yes. we're meeting their core emotional needs.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: I love that you have these truth bombs because they are <laughs> powerful. and as you said, we could probably spend a podcast on each one of them because they are, well, they're bombs, as you call it, as you said. What is your favorite truth bomb, Amy?
1: Well, I love the concept of truth bombs because they're always these things that when I tell you, you're going to say, yeah, duh, like we knew that, but they have such an impact on our kids' behavior. Like the one that I shared with you about kid priorities, not being the same as parent priorities, but the truth bomb that I think I love the most and is the best reminder for me is that misbehavior is never just a kid problem. And I when I started out and started taking parenting classes, again, I was just convinced that I needed like the silver bullet tools to fix what, you know, this situation fixed my kid. And what I realized is that so much of helping my child from a behavior standpoint, my children, was my reactions, my responses, how I came to the situation. And so one of the things that we always work with parents on is what we call this parent personality profile, um, it helps you understand kind of your personality bend and how that impacts your parenting. So I told you early on that I'm super controlling, um, and I kind of want things done my way, and that is not productive from a parenting perspective because it is a guaranteed recipe for power struggles. So kind of understanding how you how you come how you show up is really important. And what I learned is that. You know, instead of me trying to control the situation, if I could obviously first seek to understand and and realize that there is always something beneath that behavior, what we're seeing Mm -hmm. on the surface is just, just that the tip of the iceberg. And there's always something underneath. So if we can get into understanding why that's happening, but also recognizing how we're contributing, you know, am I being miss bossy pants, mom, ordering, correcting and directing all day, or do I show up in a way that is light and fun? And how is my, you know, what is my energy like? Am I fun to be with? Kids, not that you have to like be running a carnival at your house. I'm not (laughs) suggesting that, but just that energy. When you come in with a lighter energy and a calmer, softer voice, and um, it just, it completely shifts the energy with your kids. Whenever we're dealing with a behavior or a challenging situation, of course, we're going to look at those core kind of foundational buckets that we talked about, but we must also look at how we are contributing, whether it's our our energy, our responses, all the things that we're doing to either
2: help the situation or escalate the situation. Mm -hmm. This is a truth bomb that is difficult for parents to accept and hear because- We're human, you know, a lot of us our defenses immediately go up. No, I am not part of the problem. It is these kids. It is whatever. I like you said, I'm a functional human being at work. I have friends. I'm a successful person. I'm a decent human. So this is a tough one. And this is one that for a lot of us, myself included, we learn through time and experience and having to eventually go, huh, "Yeah, okay. Yep. I guess it is me." There is some of me in here. And for me, you shared that you have a, um, a strong-willed child also who perhaps has his own control stuff. For me, that was my oldest. So I started right in with it. But when you start seeing some of what's driving you crazy, coming back at you in your own kid, and then you go, oh, oh, hmm, yeah, yeah. me too. I'm part of it
1: you know for those of us who tend to be really controlling you know just realizing that again you don't have to fix the situation in the moment the best thing that you can do in the moment is be there and emotionally connect that's always going to be a better first step but but that takes some time and and again it's it's having tools And learning the skills because we're not wired, at least I'm not wired that way to be that way. So I needed to learn the skills and the tools. So I had alternative things that I could do rather than just kind of blowing up in the moment.
2: This is a bit of a tangent, but I think it may be important to address. We started by talking about yelling, which Mm -hmm. is an impulse for many of us as parents. And we just mentioned, you know, misbehavior is not just a kid problem and bigger. It's not just what the kids are doing. It's us too. It's how we're showing up. For me, I ended up learning over a period of years, my yelling was very much fueled by rage and irritability, which I later learned was related to depression. And in eventually admitting that, getting help for that and working through that, just treating and managing the depression really helped with the yelling. Now, I am not saying that everybody yelling at your kids, you know, has clinical depression, but your mental health plays a role in your relationship with your children. Absolutely. And I think there are so many moms
1: now, especially that are dealing with anxiety and depression. And, Mm -hmm. um, and thankfully we talk about that now and we go and get help for that now. And that's great modeling for our kids. Uh, but absolutely, and and for anybody who's listening, and if you feel like, um, you, you know, you're yelling too much, if you feel like, you know, things are just, I guess, outside the norm of of what you feel seems reasonable, go and get help. Like there's, mm-hmm. y- you may find there's nothing else going on, but what if there is? What if there is something else underlying with for you, and you could get
2: help for that? I mean, that's, that's and I'm a total gonna game changer for you and your family. I'm gonna build on this a little bit more because. I didn't recognize it as outside of the norm because it had mm. always been my norm. Mm. So what I'm going to say is if you feel like you have tried everything, you are trying as hard as you can at this, and despite your best efforts, air quotes, at parenting, at life, this is still happening, yeah, reach out and schedule an appointment and get help because as you said, Amy, there might not be you know, a clinically diagnosable issue, but there might be. And it's the same way, you know, when your kid is sick, it's often a good idea. You take the child to the doctor, because if it is a physical thing, let's treat that and, you know, get the antibiotics on before it turns into pneumonia, for instance.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and the same thing goes for our kids. Like, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're I, I talk about this all the time for physical ailments. We think nothing of going to the doctor and having mm-hmm. things checked out for mental health issues, whether it's ourselves or our kids we wait and we wait and we wait until it gets to crisis mode and then we we do something about it. So mm-hmm. um yeah, whether it's yourself or your kids, you know, ha- have that checked out because the, obviously the earlier we
0: intervene, the the better outcomes we're going to have. Mm-hmm. And I want to emphasize what Jen said, knowing or not knowing what is the norm, and I think that part of that is so much of the time we parent in isolation yeah. and we see that family across the street and they look like they have it all together and it's all Instagram beautiful yes. that too is really important to just reach out reach out to somebody like Amy somebody like me send us a note from from the podcast of just like is this is this how it's supposed to be Because sometimes we didn't have the best modeling growing up of what a quote unquote normal family looks like. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. We don't have a gauge because we don't have that more open village community. And in that too, I think of, of one of my clients who is being told all the time that there's something wrong with her son. Oh, he's too active. He's too this, he's too that. So always having somebody to ask professionally, but also just, you know, as like, Hey, did this happen for you? Ask Mm -hmm. an older mom, ask a mom who has a 16 year old. Hey, what was it like when your son was five? Because we know also parenting boys is a little bit different than parenting girls. And you may have grown up with all sisters. And so you don't have a gauge. So it's super important to reach out and ask. Is this how it's supposed to be? Because actually parenting supposed to be fun. There is a place in there. Like we can relax and enjoy our kids. Absolutely. I always told my
1: kids that I want them to look back and say about me, like yeah, my mom loved her job of being a parent. Like I have lots of jobs, right? But like my mom loved her job of being a parent. But when I was that yelling mom, they wouldn't have said that. And, th- and that mm-hmm. was my biggest fear. Like what is my relationship with these boys going to be like when they're teenagers or adults. And so um, that's why I'm just so passionate about helping parents with strategies because we don't want to have to do this for years. We don't want to yell for years. Let's get on this early, help parents learn the tools and just parenting will be so much more fun and your kids will just have so much more fun.
2: What is your relationship with your boys like today? Mm, They are such awesome people. I,
1: I always say they're such awesome people in spite of me. Um, <laughs> I get that very, very open. Um, you know, just they're just lovely people. Like if they weren't my children, I'd I'd want to be friends with them just because I think they're just lovely people. But you know, we, we talk all the time and it's very open, and there's a million things that I regret that I think about all the time. I wish I would have done this differently. I wish I would have done that differently. And I think maybe that's just a mom thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they think I've done a pretty okay job. That's my hope. (laughs) We'll see. You could ask them.
2: (laughs) I want to underscore what she said. Your boys are in their twenties now. You said we talk all the time. We Mm -hmm. hear from so many parents, especially because I am in this stage partly myself, you know, parents of teenagers. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't, whatever. You worry that you're never going to have that relationship back again. And Janet, you and I both try and encourage hang on, hang on. That foundation you built is still there. You keep working on belonging. You keep working on significance, on trying to enjoy it when you can, on meeting them when they are. It does come back around. It really does. Yeah. And I think too,
1: on that, like, especially with teens and especially with boys, you know, even if you're not getting it back, you just keep putting it out there, whether Mm -hmm. it's text messages or a a funny Snapchat thing or a post-it note on their, you know, on their mirror, just Tons of communication and encouragement from you. Um, Unfortunately, with our kids, like so much of what they hear is corrective stuff. You need to do this. Don't forget to do that. You know. But if we could really think about our communication being eighty percent positive and encouraging, uh, you know, that just that just creates such a safe space for them. And so, I would encourage parents with the same thing. Just keep putting those those notes, even if it's you know in a journal or on a post-it note or a text or Snapchat, whatever they get it and they appreciate it. Mm -hmm.
0: This really underscores the short-term versus the long-term game that we're in is that those short-term consequences, rewards, moments versus this long-term connection. And my girls are in their thirties and I've asked them multiple times, you know, do you remember me yelling when you were little and listeners, I just want to, you know, give you a little, little icing on the cake is they don't remember all of the yelling. They don't
2: remember. (sighs) Thank you goodness, couldn't see right? me, listeners, but Janet started saying that, and I started cringing because I'm like, "Oh, I'm not ready to ask that question uh, yet." <laughs> Someday you <laughs> will be. And they don't. And they. I mean,
0: I. That's my kids specifically, but I yell plenty. I don't know why they don't remember it because I do, and I feel guilty about it but you got to let that go and look at all the other moments that you connect and have fun and laugh and let go of the control a little bit more and amy you have given us so many gems today i knew this was going to be a very a very juicy podcast so thank you for sharing your truth bombs and do tell us where our listeners can learn more about you and Find, find more strategies, more
1: strategies. Yes. Thank you yeah. so much for asking. And thank you for this opportunity. I feel like we could go on for hours. still. Mm. we have so much yet to discuss, but if parents want to learn more from me, I would love for them to visit positiveparentingsolutions.com. And we do, you know, free online classes they can sign up for. It's called get kids to listen without nagging, yelling, or losing control. Um, and so that's totally free and it's tons of strategies. And, um, of course they can follow me on social media, positive parenting solutions, or Amy McCready, um, and would love to connect there as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of this hard won wisdom with us today. And we'd love to have you back. Cause as you said, there's more to talk about. There's so much, but thank you both so much. I'm so
1: grateful for all the work that you're doing in the world. Um, And I'm just privileged to be a part of this with you today. Thanks,
0: Amy. Wow, listeners, what a treat to have Amy sharing her truth bombs and all of her positive parenting solutions. And listeners, always, if you liked this podcast, please share it with a friend. We are the On Boys Parenting Podcast. Janet Allison of boysalive.com and my lovely co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of (laughs) buildingboys.net.